Hi there, and welcome to this podcast for the Individual Differences and Abnormal Psychology Master's Module at Arden University. This is your lecturer, Rachel Marchant, bringing you a weekly update for lesson 6 to 10 in the form of a short podcast. Each week, I will give a brief update to that week's corresponding lesson. So, at the end of week 6, I will provide a summary of the week 6 content and discussion, and so on. I will also discuss some extra resources related to the week's topics that you might find interesting. I hope you enjoyed my co-lecturer Beth McManus's excellent podcast for weeks one to five. So let's go over this week's comments, queries and discussion. This week on the IDAP module, lesson eight explored concepts of psychopathology and some different diagnostic labels. To build on this content and the ideas that I discussed in live teaching session four, this podcast will focus on critically evaluating some of these ideas. This is a controversial and difficult topic. As I mentioned in the live session, my aim when posing possible critiques and alternative viewpoints is to raise these for consideration and discussion and encourage you to think critically about the ideas in this module. We must also bear in mind how these topics affect people in the real world in their real lives, rather than thinking of them as abstract theories that don't have any real-world impact. This is why considerations around language are so important. I discussed these in live teaching session 4 and in the week 7 summary podcast. Now let's go over a brief summary of the definition and concept of psychopathology and how the biomedical model frames mental and emotional distress in the form of diagnoses. Similar to my discussions around the concept of abnormality, I want to clearly recognise here that the term diagnosis is not neutral and can have both positive and negative effects on people, which I will discuss later. In this podcast, I use the term diagnosis to refer to biomedical labels and ideas of mental and emotional distress. Psychopathology is a biomedical model term that describes mental health using categories of disorders that are thought to originate in the brain and body. It is essentially the idea of illnesses of the brain, which, from this perspective, includes the mind. As covered in Lesson 8 and in Live Session 4, there are several different categories of disorders that have been created by psychiatrists over the years. The most well-known collections of these categories are the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, also known as the DSM, and the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems, also known as the ICD. These categories are thought to reflect distinct types of mental and emotional distress. Therefore, most diagnoses are syndromes, that is, groups of experiences that are thought to commonly occur together, that reflect some underlying pathology or disease. To give a current example, post-COVID syndrome or long COVID is a collection of physical symptoms that are thought to reflect the damage done to the body by the COVID viral infection. Psychopathology is based on the same idea. Collections of symptoms are grouped together to name syndromes, such as major depression, that are thought to reflect a physical underlying brain disease or illness. Several different categories of psychopathology were covered in the contents of Lesson 8 and in Live Session 4, and so I won't revisit each one here.
However, if you would like more information about these different diagnoses or syndromes in psychopathology, then please do go and have a look at those resources. The process of organising symptoms into syndromes in order to make specific diagnoses has crossed over from medicine, a discipline that was initially focused around the body but not the mind, into our psychological understandings of people's minds and psyches. This is the basis of psychiatry, a medical theory of mental and emotional distress that suggests that we can explain and treat mental distress in the same way that we explain and treat physical distress, such as a broken leg. There are several practical reasons for making these diagnoses, such as being able to categorise people in a consistent way in order to more easily describe, measure and quantify people's experiences. These diagnostic labels allow different medical professionals to more quickly understand the individual's general experiences. Diagnoses also allow medical professionals to direct people to the most appropriate or best evidence treatment and support options. Further, diagnoses are increasingly used as a way to grant people access to supportive services. For example, you may not be able to access therapy or other supportive treatments through your health provider unless you have been given a diagnosis. This is partly due to the cost of providing these services, and so diagnoses are thought to identify and direct only those who are most in need to these support services. However, there are of course counter-arguments and perspectives to these ideas, so now let's consider some possible criticisms of the psychopathological approach to mental health. Many health campaigners have aimed to reduce the stigma of mental health by promoting the idea that mental health is the same as physical health. We touched on this earlier with the idea that getting treatment for mental health conditions should be the same as getting help for a broken leg, for example. Although the intention behind this is very positive, if we think about it, mental and physical health are actually very different. For example, physical health diagnoses are the same worldwide. A cold virus in one country is also a cold virus across the rest of the world, and the treatments are very similar. With physical health conditions, it is true that symptoms indicate an underlying pathological disease process. However, mental health concepts and diagnoses are not the same across the world. As we explored in Live Session 4 and in the last podcast, there are many issues with definitions of mental abnormality, definitions that the idea of psychopathology relies on, with one key issue being that abnormality is socially and culturally constructed and relative. Therefore, what is classed as a mental health problem needing intervention and how these are treated varies widely across the globe. This goes against the idea of mental health problems as clear-cut physical problems. The medical model idea of symptoms indicating underlying disease processes does not clearly apply to mental health. Related to this, another critique of the concept of psychopathology is that the idea of brain disorders or brain diseases does not have good support in the literature, from research, or indeed amongst many mental health professionals. For example, in 2015, the British Psychological Society's Division of Clinical Psychology published a statement suggesting that a substantial change was needed in the way the discussions of mental health are centred around medical diagnostic models. This statement explicitly suggested moving away from disease models of mental and emotional distress. 
This position was not well received by prominent medical journals, such as the Lancet Psychiatry. A psychiatrist called Duncan Double published a response to these debates that I will post along with this podcast, in which he argues that mental illnesses are not reducible to brain diseases. Many mental health professionals have spoken out about the oversimplified idea of brain disease in recent years. I will post some resources about this in the thread where this podcast is posted if you're interested in reading more. Further, the categories used in psychopathology to describe human experience are a necessary oversimplification. These categories are a classification system only. There is not a lot of good evidence that these syndromes and diagnoses describe something that actually exists in nature, unlike physical illnesses such as bacterial infections. Some concepts of psychopathology are moving away from a categorical level of description and towards the idea of spectrums, where people can sit along a continuum for different experiences. At the lower end might be experiences that interfere only a little bit with daily life, and at the upper end might be experiences that interfere significantly with daily life. This has recently been introduced with the autism spectrum in the DSM, and will likely be introduced for more categories in future. We have already touched on the idea that one purpose of diagnoses is to provide healthcare and support to those who need it most. That is, people whose experiences are deemed clinically significant or severe enough to warrant intervention. However, services are already at or over capacity in many places. For example, in an episode of the Rethinking Mental Health podcast, the psychiatrist Jim Van Oss states that most countries' mental health services can only support between 4 to 6% of the population accessing them at one time. However, according to data from 2017, 10% of the global population has a mental health diagnosis. According to the UK government's freely available financial budget data for 2017, the UK spent less than 2% of its annual budget on mental health services in that year, and the World Health Organization says that most countries worldwide spend less than 5% on mental health provision. Further, a report on mental health service waiting times from the Royal College of Psychiatrists in the UK last year found that 25% of people waited more than three months to access support, and 10% waited for longer than six months. Worryingly, some people even waited up to two years. So, although the requirement of having a diagnosis may, in theory, help to deliver these services to those who need it most, currently many services are falling short of providing support to everyone who needs it. It is also likely that many more people need support than have a diagnosis, due to issues like stigma and low mental health awareness, and so diagnostic labels have not helped to solve this access problem. Related to this last point, let us briefly talk about labels and stigma. Some people find solace in having a diagnosis or label because this can allow them to access the support they need, understand themselves better, and find like-minded people, for example. However, diagnostic labels can also lead to prejudice and stigma against those with the diagnoses. Although some mental health campaigns have focused on likening mental health to physical health with the goal of reducing stigma, Some research has shown that this can actually have the opposite effect. One study from Reed and colleagues in 2006 found that a label of schizophrenia increased public perceptions of 
dangerousness, unpredictability and fear of the person and led to a desire for social distance from the diagnosed person. The term brain disease promoted the idea that those with diagnostic labels or mental health problems did not have any self-control. Therefore, biological theories of mental and emotional distress can actually lead to increased stigma because these theories can suggest that some people are biologically or genetically determined to be mentally unwell, an idea that can be used to justify their social exclusion. I will post some resources in the forum about this if you would like to read more. Now, let's move on to reflecting on some of the activities and discussions from this week's lesson discussion forum. This week in the discussion forum, we ask you to watch the TED Talk by Elizabeth Medina on what they don't tell you about mental illness. We had some great reflections posted in the forums about this, so thank you to everyone who's contributed to the discussion so far. Let's briefly talk about reducing stigma. The World Health Organization has suggested that reducing mental health stigma will require moving beyond the idea that mental health is only defined by the absence of diagnoses and towards including wider factors that we already know really impact mental health, such as socio-economic pressures, violence, conflict and war, discrimination such as sexism and racism, and social isolation or unstable and unsafe social environments. Understanding that mental and emotional distress can have sources in so many of these factors, rather than just being a biological or genetic predisposition, will hopefully help to reduce stigma. Similarly, holding the media accountable for irresponsible and inaccurate portrayals of mental and emotional distress will help to promote a more accurate public understanding of these experiences. If you're interested in reading more about ways that we can reduce stigma and what current research says about this, please see the book chapter from 2016 and the paper by Stuart from 2016 that I have posted alongside this podcast. Given what I have already discussed in this podcast about the difficulties with reducing stigma around mental health, I would like to ask you to reflect on this and consider what do you think the best ways to reduce stigma around mental health are? So that's it for this week's episode. Next week on IDAP, in Lesson 9, we will explore the concept of personality disorders and some critical approaches to this idea. That's all for this week's update. All resources I've discussed here will be posted along with the podcast link to the relevant lesson discussion forum. Thank you for listening.